Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. Wowza, I feel like the world dumped a bag of rocks on my head with all the big news that happened at the same time. Within just a couple of days, we had the IPCC's climate report, a Tesla impact report, the Senate passing a bipartisan infrastructure bill, and updates on the larger reconciliation package, just to name a few bombshells. And all four are in-depth issues that take a lot of research and organizing. We're only going to get through half of that today. By luck of the draw, it's the emissions stuff. It's more interesting than it sounds. I quite enjoyed crawling through it all. Please make use of the Twitter threads I painstakingly crafted. Let's get to it. Quick shout out to our tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC as they're known to their friends, have released their latest comprehensive assessment report. It was written by hundreds of climate scientists using 14,000 peer-reviewed studies and represents humanity's best understanding to date on climate change. But that climate denier friend you have will still trust random strangers on Facebook more. It's extremely long and complex. I don't have the time to read the whole thing either, so I will massively dumb it down into a short summary that all of us can understand. The headline is that, as we know, the climate has warmed at a rate unprecedented in at least the last 2,000 years. Looking at a graph makes this crystal clear, so I encourage you to check the thread I made for this. There are a lot of great graphics in it that do a much better job of conveying the situation than words can. But basically, global temperature has been on a slightly downward trend for 1900 years, then suddenly spiked straight up over the last 120. The verdict has been given on the cause. The panel agrees that virtually all of the warming since 1900 has been the result of human activity. It has already caused widespread and rapid changes to the atmosphere, ocean, cryosphere, and biosphere. And no, I didn't throw in a made-up word, the cryosphere is the world's ice, particularly ice formed from the frozen tears of climatologists. Many of these changes, particularly to the oceans, ice sheets, and global sea levels, will be, quote, irreversible for millennia, end quote. The new report narrows the expected global temperature change from 19th century levels to between 2 and 5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. It all but rules out any chance of keeping to the 1.5 degrees we were previously hoping for and projects we will hit 1.5 C as soon as a decade from now, with 2 C following somewhere around 2045. To put that in perspective, rare weather events, which would have happened only every 50 years had humans not affected the climate, are already happening every 10 years. At plus 2 degrees Celsius, they are expected to happen every 6 years. At 5 degrees Celsius, those 50-year events will happen every year. Droughts and flood-level rain events will be about twice as frequent at 2C and 3 to 4 times more common at 4C. It's not a binary situation of climate change or no climate change, it's a spectrum. The higher the temperature change is, the more chaotic the changes will be. More heat waves, hurricanes, wildfires, floods, extinctions, food and water shortages, refugees, and wars. 
In short, massive disruptions likely to unravel many civilizations, kill many people, and make life unpleasant for most of those remaining. That said, the authors do believe that reaching net zero emissions, meaning as much greenhouse gases are being taken out of the atmosphere as being put in, would likely stop global warming. Some effects may be reversible if we manage net negative. Is net negative possible? Sure. There are many ways to capture carbon and other greenhouse gases pulling them out of the atmosphere. Many natural and artificial life forms and processes consume greenhouse gases, transforming or sequestering them. It's really just a question of technology and commitment. Of course, the other side of the coin is reducing the rate at which we are adding greenhouse gases, which is a list as long as all the things that produce greenhouse gases. It's a lot, but if we break down emissions by sector, the biggest sources of these pollution are electricity generation, transportation, and industry with transportation being a much bigger slice in the U.S. than it is in the wider world at 30%, almost as big as electricity production at 35%. There are certainly moves that we can make to cut back on usage, but we can't stop at the individual level. Policy changes are also needed. We can also improve production efficiency. As luck would have it, Tesla just released their impact report detailing how the company is driving down emissions in all three of those major sectors. And it's quite instructive in terms of tackling climate change by improving efficiency in every possible way. Tesla manufactures the biggest elements of their vehicles on-site, such as the body, battery pack, drivetrain, and even seats. What they don't make themselves, they source as locally as possible, and more so all the time. Of those, 73% of the parts for their California cars are sourced from within North America, which is good enough for Cars.com to award the Model 3 the title of Most American Car, based on sourcing of assembly, parts, powertrain, transmission, and labor force. But their newer factory in China is even better, with 86% of non-Tesla parts sourced from within the country. And more local sourcing means less pollution from transportation. Tesla is also designing their factories to be ever more efficient, moving everything closer together and with greater organization to reduce travel time of everything in there as well as power usage. Efficiency is king. Then there's distribution of the product. People all over the world want to buy them, but until recently, Tesla only had production in the U.S. That means shipping cars across the world, and that transport is more emissions. Ships are particularly dirty, actually. So in just the past couple years, Tesla built a gigafactory in Shanghai and is close to finishing more in Germany and Texas. So all of that is reducing energy use. Then there's making the energy generation cleaner. Tesla's gigafactories are topped with mass solar panels, which they also produce. The Fremont factory is scheduled to grow to 24 kilowatts next year, which will make it the largest solar rooftop in the U.S. In 2020, Tesla reports having consumed 2.5 thousand gigawatt hours of electricity, 2,000 of which was from fossil fuels, but they produced 21,000 gigawatt hours from solar, meaning they produced eight and a half times more energy cleanly than they consumed. If every business did that, we wouldn't even need power plants, though we need a lot more Tesla to produce the solar panels in the first place. Tesla also sells massive battery packs for electrical grid energy storage. They've been almost doubling production every year, up to three gigawatt hours of storage in 2020, 
which was a quarter of the global market. Then there's the main event, electric vehicles. Tesla's comprehensive analysis of life cycle emissions, meaning all the way from raw materials for making the car and fuel all the way to disposal of the car, and using real-world data that they are uniquely positioned to capture thanks to all their vehicles being decked out with sensors, finds that their average Model 3 EV sedan emits about 39% as much CO2 over its lifetime as the average comparable mid-size gas sedan. In the U.S., and when charging the battery through the grid, if the Model 3 is charged with solar or other green energy, it drops to just 21% of the emissions of a gas car. This is why transitioning to EVs and green energy production are both vital for solving climate change. But Tesla sees yet another factor. Tesla estimates that when the cars are capable of fully autonomous driving, using the vehicles as a rideshare between the more efficient usage and redesigning the cars to be less sporty, they think they could drop it down to just 6% as much emissions as the average gas car. That would be something. The emissions advantage of EVs comes from a few factors. Far more efficient use of fuel by the engine, cleaner fuel, and greater longevity from fewer and less fragile parts. An electric motor converts about 90% of the battery's energy to motion. A gas engine converts about 20% of gasoline's energy to motion, losing most of it as heat. As to longevity, the average U.S. vehicle gets scrapped after approximately 200,000 miles of use, even less in the EU. Tesla has designed their cars to last for five times that long, or one million miles. This is possible because EVs use a very simple transmission and electric motor. Internal combustion engines, by comparison, are enormously complex, inefficient, and fragile. There's a great diagram showing the difference in the thread. Data so far shows that after 200,000 miles of driving, i.e. when a gas car would die, Tesla battery packs have only lost 12% of their original capacity, and when the batteries are on their last legs, they get recycled. Tesla claims to have recycled 100% of all their batteries that have reached end of life for one reason or another, with 92% of those raw materials being reused to make new batteries. Some of that recycling is through third party, but Tesla intends to bring all of it in-house eventually. Tesla also says that 96% of their factory materials are recycled. And that concludes Tesla's masterclass on emissions reductions and efficient business practices. But there's one more thing to say, which is that burning fossil fuels doesn't just hurt us through climate change, it also hurts each of us directly and immediately. So if you don't care about climate change, care about this. A meta-study, which is a study that collects the data from a whole lot of other studies and uses that to come to a conclusion, estimates fossil fuel pollution to be the cause of 9 to 10 million deaths per year. For perspective, that's 18% of all deaths in the world, putting it even with the current recognized leading cause of death, heart disease. Much like poverty, pollution goes unnoticed as a cause of death because it indirectly induces conditions that kill directly. The percentage of deaths attributable varies widely by region to as low as 3% in Australia or as high as 31% of deaths in Eastern Asia. It kills 13% of Americans each year. The researchers estimate that fossil fuel-related pollution costs the world $3 trillion annually just in excess healthcare costs. The particulate pollution, known as PM2.5, is less than 2.5 micrometers in diameter, which is 30 times smaller than a human hair. Once inhaled, these lodge in the lungs and cause a variety of health problems, often chronic conditions. 
don't care about suffering either? How about brain damage? Numerous studies have now linked pollution from burning fossil fuels to neurological damage, such as impaired intellect, Alzheimer's, seizures, etc. As we discussed during Yang's presidential run, reduced academic performance has also been linked to bus emissions. Districts which put filters on their bus tailpipes saw test scores improve. This sort of crap, things that erode intelligence, scare me more than death. None of this should be particularly, no pun intended, I blame the fumes, surprising. We didn't evolve in an environment where we were breathing in fossil fuel particles all the time. We're not built for that. We only just recently created those conditions. When you breathe stuff that's not supposed to be in your body, there's going to be damage. Just as when too much collects in the atmosphere, there's damage. Reducing emissions is not about saving the earth. It's not just about saving animals. It's about saving humans. And it's about saving yourself and your family. Plus, green tech is just legit cooler, man. Faster, lower maintenance cars with EVs, more independent power from solar, more dependable power from energy storage, a more livable environment, and better health to boot. That's a win, fam. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the climate change, Tesla impact, and pollution threads, because I worked real hard to make them awesome for you. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.